Live Wednesday, January 13th. Clash of the Champions. The quickness of Team Sting. The power of Team Vader. An eight-man battle of endurance and guts. The Thunder Cage match. Plus, wrestling's dream team of Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas prepare for a Flying Brian Stunning Steve nightmare. The World Tag Team Championship. Clash of the Champions. Live Wednesday, January 13th, exclusively on TBS. Hey up, Buttercups. Welcome back to episode 4 of Acceptable in the 90s, the solo spin-off series to One Man's Meat. Your big meaty heroes are back in the podosphere, so this series can return guilt-free. Big Meaty Cool is taking a trip to the shores of World Championship Wrestling this week to review a show that was broadcast in the same week as the debut episode of WWF Monday Night Raw. It's the Clash of the Champions 22. Much like their creative heyday of the late 90s, this show finds us watching a combination of young, hungry competitors looking to prove their worth to the company, sprinkled in with older, but familiar faces from a bygone age, looking to scoop a payday. However, younger and hungrier seems to be the way forward for the company, as our champions at the time may reflect. Going into this event, the WCW World Heavyweight title was held by Big Van Vader in his second reign. The National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight title had been recently won by the Great Muta. Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas were riding high as your unified NWA WCW World Tag Team Champions. A new WCW United States Heavyweight Champion was to be crowned on WCW Saturday night as a tournament to determine Rick Rude's number one contender ended up being a tournament to determine the new champion after he suffered an injury. Also, our WCW World Television Championship has been vacant since November 1992, when current holder Scott Steiner left WCW with his brother Rick due to a contract dispute with WCW Executive Vice President Bill Watts, who certainly had something of a line in rubbing people up the wrong way. So, before we take a look at what transpired on this day in wrestling, let's cast our eye over what was happening in the world on this day in history on January the 13th, 1993. On this day in 1993, Endeavour headed for space for the third time as STS-54 launched from the Kennedy Space Center. The primary payload was the fifth TDRS satellite, TDRS-F, which was deployed on day one of the mission. It was later successfully transferred to its proper orbit by the inertial upper stage. Also carried into orbit in the payload bay was a hitchhiker experiment called the Diffuse X-ray Spectrometer. This instrument collected data on X-ray radiation from diffuse sources in deep space. The Chemical Weapons Convention, an arms control treaty administered by the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, an intergovernmental organization based in The Hague, was opened for signature in Paris 
on the 13th of January 1993. Also, as a part of Operation Southern Watch, US Air Force, US Naval, Royal Air Force and French Air Force jets attack AAA and SAM sites in southern Iraq. The results of the strike were considered poor, with many targets being missed. The Aerospace Daily claimed that of four mobile missile batteries, only one was destroyed. Of the six F-117As, two of them lost laser lock, one failed to get a positive identification of the target, and one F-117 hit the wrong target. An F-15E also returned back to base with its ordnance due to cloud cover preventing a laser-guided drop. An Iraqi news agency soon reported that an Iraqi soldier as well as three civilians were killed, as well as seven civilians wounded. And talking of wounding, Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You is obviously still dominating the pop charts at number one in both the United States and the United Kingdom. At the box office in the US, A Few Good Men was at number one in the cinemas. In the UK, Whitney Houston's The Bodyguard had a grip on the viewers. So, we've spent the last couple of weeks taking a gander at what was going on in Vince McMahon's side of the fence, but there was just as much good stuff happening over in Ted Turner's backyard. We're live from the Mecca in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, before a crowd of 4,000 fans for WCW Clash of the Champions 22. Our host for the evening is Tony Schiavone, while the night's commentary is handled by Jim Ross and Jesse the Body Ventura. Team of world champion Big Van Vader, Barry Windham, the Barbarian, and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, and the team of Sting, All-American Ron Simmons, the natural Dustin Rhodes, and heavy metal Van Hammer. It's mayhem in Milwaukee in Thundercage! And the most coveted team titles in wrestling are on the line when Unified World Tag Team Champions Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Shane Douglas are challenged by Flying Brian Pillman and stunning Steve Austin. Live from the Mecca in Milwaukee, World Championship Wrestling presents Clash of the Champions! World Championship Wrestling is on the air and you're looking live at the Mecca in Milwaukee! of wrestling operations of World Championship Wrestling, Cowboy Bill Watson. I know, Bill, here in Milwaukee, got a lot of great memories of some great events. What a thrill to be back here. The last time I was here, I was a tag team partner with one of the all-time greats of wrestling, the Crusher, the man that made wrestling famous in Milwaukee. We wrestled Larry the Axe Hennig and handsome Harley Race. There were greats here like Vern Gagne. There was a young guy just starting, Ric Flair. A young tag team that dominated the world, Dusty Rhodes and Dick Murdoch. What an exciting place. It's so great to be here. It's the home of many great American institutions, including Harley Davidson. Tonight, it's the home of Thunder Cage, and everybody looking forward to this big event. They sure are, and I'm looking forward to it. And Tony, there's a lot of exciting things happening. One thing, Van Hammer, heavy metal Van Hammer, had a muscle tear that abscessed. They've done surgery. He's doing well. I can't tell you how bad he wanted to be here but he's unable to be here. However, we will have a replacement in the arm wrestling. Vinny Vegas will arm wrestle Tony Atlas. Okay, and uh, this past Sunday on WCW's main event, there was an announcement made about your son, Eric. 
about a situation involving he and Arn Anderson that he had been arrested. I know you have some comments on that. Well, certainly, and I've talked to Eric, and, and, and you've got to understand that I've had a great relationship with all my children, and Eric has always been like my son and my friend, and we talked, and he told me his side of it, and I believe him. But I told him, I said, Eric, because of my position and your position, we have to investigate this thoroughly, and I'm sure it'll come out as you say. We have suspended Eric for tonight. Because we'll try to have the investigation completed by this Saturday to have a complete report on television. But Eric is suspended tonight in this bout, and I know he's he's really disappointed. Bill, I'm sure he is. I do understand that in the back in the interview area, Larry Zabisco has caught up with Eric Watts. Let's go back to Larry along with Eric Watts right now, Larry. We know I've got Eric Watts back here with me now, and Eric, you've heard the decision. What's your reaction? Well, naturally, I'm very upset for several reasons. First of all, this was the biggest night of my life. I was going to face Cactus Jack. Second of all, these are false accusations. These are false charges. And my father, due to his position, he had to make a decision. That's a suspension. But I know the truth will be told. And being a professional, I'm going to make good out of this bad situation. And I'm going to sit out and watch all this great talent in WCW. And I'm going to be able to make sure for my next opponent, I know what's coming at me. Well, we've heard the retort from Eric Watts. Let's go back to Tony Schiavone and Cowboy Bill Watts. All right, Larry, Bill, you heard the comments from Eric. We're yes, still going to... You know, it's like being lined up for the kickoff of the biggest event of your life getting yanked out of the game before it gets started. I can really empathize with him. We're still going to have Cactus Jack one-on-one -on -one against Johnny B. Bad here tonight. Johnny B. Bad is one of the up-and-coming young stars we're excited about. There's going to be a lot of interesting things happen here in 1993, and he will get tested by Wally veteran Cactus Jack. Let's hook him up. All right, let's go down to the two men who will give you the play-by-play -play story. Jesse the Body Ventura and Jim Ross. All right, Tony, thanks very much. Uh, Jesse, this is a Thunder Cage situation already taking a different complexion with Heavy Metal Van Hammer unable to compete. Sting's team has three men. The other team, four big tough guys in the most dangerous match ever in wrestling. Well, it's a huge disadvantage right from the get-go. You lose a partner, it's four on three. They're at a disadvantage. But I love it, Jim Ross. This is cage time. And anytime you as a wrestler are going to step into the cage, you know the career is on the line. This matchup will be no disqualification. Come dressed as you are, street fight rules. That will be here on this broadcast tonight. But right now, let's go back up to our ring announcer, Gary Capetta. Bill Watts is interviewed by Tony Schiavone, who is at his infectious best here in promoting the action for tonight. Watts looks back on previous memories of wrestling in Milwaukee before explaining that Van Hammer is out of the Thundercage main event and had to be replaced in the arm wrestling contest due to an injury and Eric Watts was suspended due to an altercation with Arn Anderson. The king of nepotism tries to state that he is trying to be impartial with Eric by making sure that impartial investigation is carried out. Personally, he should have been impartial in the first place and thought twice before pushing his lad to beat opponents infinitely better than him. Larry Zabisco interviews Eric Watts, who stated that the accusations against him were false. No, Eric, I'm pretty sure that my accusation of you having no business in wrestling was pretty valid. Goodness me, people give David Flair a bad rap, but Eric Watts struggles just as much to string two words together as he does stringing two moves together. Bobbins. Tony takes us to Ventura and Ross at ringside for match number one as Cactus Jack faces Johnny B. Bad. 
Johnny B. Bad will be replacing Eric Watts in this match. Yay! Cactus has recently turned face for reasons that we'll get to later. This match stems from the Lethal Lottery at Starcade 1992, where the two teamed together but got in a fight. Bad's headlock is quickly countered by forearms to the back, but Jack grabs the ropes to avoid the big punch. Cactus misses a charge into the corner and gets drop kicks down, followed by an armbar. Back up and Bad gets some boots into Cactus's face and a small package gets two. Johnny goes up for his sunset flip, but only hits the canvas, allowing Jack to drop an elbow for the pin at 2 minutes 50. This didn't have time to go anywhere, but Cactus gets a good response from the fans, which will be important later on tonight. Ventura in particular was great in hyping up Cactus and the fans' positive response to him. Decent stuff to kick us off. Tony Schiavone has news on the great Muta beating Masahiro Chono to become the new NWA champion at the January 4th New Japan Super Show. The footage was on WCW main events the Sunday after this show. Unfortunately, that show's not on the network, but if I can find it, I will be reviewing it. It's called me Super Bowl. Man, I thought I could make it with my hands are cold. Man, you can't make it. They're gonna be late for school. Man, I can make it. Give me this ball. Supposed to be in school? Nah, man, we going to the game room. What do you mean to the arcade? You guys need to be in school trying to get an education. Tell you what, I'll take you guys to school. Are we going to ride in the limousine? Nuh uh. We're going to walk? Uh uh. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to step. Too Cold Scorpio trawls the basketball courts of the hood to force kids to strut their way to school, when he could have just given them a lift in his car. They'll never get to school at that pace, but this is wonderful. This leads us into match number two, as Too Cold Scorpio takes on Scotty Flamingo. Flamingo grabs a wrist lock to start, and Scorpio flips out of it and hip tosses him for one. 
Flamingo grabs a headlock and they do a Lucha-esque sequence that ends with Flamingo bailing off of a weak kick. Scorpio follows this with a dive off the apron. Back in, Flamingo kicks him down and drop kicks him out of the ring and follows with a low-rent tope con hilo. Scotty must have been feeling particularly frisky tonight. Back in, Flamingo stomps Scorpio down and gets a nice snap suplex for one and a Scorpio cradle for two. Choking follows and we hit the chin lock. The two men slug it out and Scorpio comes back with a hip toss and a drop kick and goes up for a twisting splash for two. The corner splash misses and Flamingo rolls him up for two and then gets a lariat for two. The blind charge misses and Scorpio super kicks Scotty into a leg drop and finishes with the 450 splash at 4 minutes 13. There was some good action here that was way ahead of its time. Scotty Flamingo would find fame eventually as Raven, but he was an undercard and underrated cruiserweight talent in these days, playing something of a Chris Jericho style character. I always thought Scorpio would have been something bigger, but he can still have a decent match now, and will no doubt be the subject of a one-man's meat episode at some point. The crowd continue to be brilliant too. They know what they like, and they are very vocal about it. After the match, we get a special feature on the Thundercage, as well as a recap of Harley Race's shenanigans on WCW Main Event that set up Cactus Jack's face turn. Welcome back to Milwaukee and Clash of the Champions, and not too long from now, high above the ring, they will lower the giant cage, and we'll be set to go with Thundercage, a cage so big, it encompasses the outside ringside area as well. It's going to be quite a street fight, and now we know it is going to be four on three as well. Some very interesting circumstances leading Paul Orndorff to being on Big Van Vader's team. It happened just this past Sunday on the main event here on TBS. Let's take a look at the entire story. Because of a neck injury suffered by United States Heavyweight Champion Ravishing Rick Rude, Team Vader spokesman Harley Race was forced to make a substitution in tonight's Thunder Cage showdown. Race explained to Michael Hayes on Sunday's main event broadcast how he planned on replacing Rude. Well, let me explain it to you, Michael. First off, you go out in the WCW yeah. and you look around and you find the toughest two individuals yeah. that you can possibly get. Cool. Then you bring him into a ring and you let them wrestle one another to determine who's going to fill that void. And I went out and I found two of the nastiest, the meanest, and one of them a great superb athlete to go along with it. The other one just downright nasty and oh, yeah. mean. Mr. Wonderful, Paul Arnott and Cactus Jack, Cactus Jack are going to wrestle one another right here in this ring tonight and I'm going to be walking around this ringside and we're going to see which one of them comes out on top and who comes out on top is going to fill that void. So the match was set for later in the program between two of WCW's toughest competitors. Here's the explosion that ensued. Race pushing Cactus Jack back in the ring. What a battle we have had here. Cactus wrecking the eyes of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Cactus here on the apron. And Cactus, Cactus comes off on Harley Race. Cactus Jack was obviously pushed back in the ring by Race. One time too many. The New Mexico Madman grabs Orndorff's foot and brings Orndorff now 
out here on the apron. This is a no disqualification street fight to see who replaces Ravishing Rick Rude. And wait a minute, there's Big Van Vader. Vader from behind, he must have been watching on the monitor. And one race was manhandled. Here comes the world's heavyweight champion. Hammering away at Cactus Jack. And now here comes Harley Race. He sends the referee outside. That should cost him some money. Orndorff's got Cactus up and frills him with a pile driver. Cactus Jack, big triple team, and Race drives a knee right to his face. Cactus Jack is in a helpless state here. Orndorff's got that belt around his neck again. Trying to choke the life out of Cactus. Race grabbing his feet, and here comes Vader. Oh, 4.50. They're trying to bust him apart here. Race going back up top. Here he comes again. After their brutal triple team of Cactus Jack, Race, Vader, and new Thunder Cage teammate Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff returned to the scene of their attack. But so did Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack's got that shovel coming in the ring. Look out. in the face, Cactus Jack is back, and he is getting his revenge right there. He knocks down the world's champion. Cactus Jack with that shovel is wearing him out here. On the race in the back of the head, Cactus, that's going nuts here. Vader, Mr. Wonderful, Harley Race, you made one big Mistake, you let Cactus Jack live. You let Cactus Jack live. You so there you hear it, the situation that led Mr. Wonderful Paul Arndorf to be in that big Thunder Cage event here tonight, and what an event it will be. Fans, when we come back, one of the greatest athletes ever in WCW, Brad Armstrong, goes one-on-one -on -one against newcomer from Canada, Chris Benoit, our first look at Benoit. Don't forget to call the wrestling hotline during this break. You get to talk to Z-Man and Johnny Gunn. We'll be back with Clash of the Champions live from Milwaukee fans right after this. A couple of blows and I'ma put you on your rope. Chop, chop, bam, then a left, right, left, and a kick, and a pin to the one, two, three, then it's over with. So give that bell a whack, and I'ma put this man on his back, cause when I'm in the ring, I'm a wrestling nightmare, straight from Georgia, and if you don't think I'm hard, you ought to put Match 3 takes us to an official WCW debut as Chris Benoit takes on perennial jobber to the stars, Brad Armstrong. This was Benoit's WCW debut as part of the roster, long before he meant anything in the United States, but he was a promising junior heavyweight in Japan. He made his official debut for WCW in the NWA Tag Team Tournament of June 1992, teaming with Biff Wellington in a crazy match against Brian Pillman and Jushin Liger, but that was intended as a one-shot deal. Both men crisscross off a headlock to start, and Benoit dodges a dropkick and gets in a straight foot to the gut to set up a powerbomb, which Armstrong counters, and they do an insane stalemate sequence, leading to an arm drag from Brad. Armstrong works the arm as Benoit tries to escape by kipping up, but Armstrong keeps him on the mat into a knuckle lock that Benoit bridges out of, and then Armstrong does the same thing, 
and suplexes Benoit into an armbar. He stays on the arm and Benoit reverses and they work off that for a bit until Brad leverages him out of the ring. Back in they again trade hammerlocks and Benoit tries the same strategy as Armstrong but Brad goes back to the arm to counter. Benoit takes him down and goes for a crab but Brad powers out only to get pounded by Benoit. He suplexes him onto the top rope putting him on the apron but then hits him with a springboard clothesline to the floor. That woke up the crowd. Back in, Benoit gets the now patented clothesline and snap suplex for two. He starts chopping and headbutting, earning him a Jesse Ventura seal of approval. Brad fights back with a knee lift, but Benoit pounds him down again, and a backbreaker turns into a submission move. We go to the top, but Armstrong blocks. Benoit casually shoves him down and tries the flying headbutt, but misses. Brad comes back with a neckbreaker and drops an elbow for two. Benoit hits a brutally beautiful dragon suplex for the pin at 9 minutes and 34 seconds. This match so far has blown everything else out of the water. If you can separate the worker from the man, which granted is very hard to do, Chris Benoit was a true great in the ring. And while he was viewed as a lowly talent, Brad Armstrong was something of an underrated gem. His lack of charisma got in the way of him being something bigger, but he was one of those guys who could probably get a good match out of a broom handle. A proper chef's kiss of a match that my recap certainly cannot do justice. If you haven't watched it, watch it, please and thank you. Okay, Jim, thank you very much. When you think about the great tag teams that have competed in professional wrestling, one team comes to mind, certainly Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express. Four times they have held the World Tag Team title. Well, Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express, are back together again, we understand, enjoying a lot of success. Let's take a very special look at Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express. As many of the wrestling fans have read in magazines and newspapers around the country, one of the top tag teams in the history of TBS, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, the legendary Rock and Roll Express, are back together again. They're currently the tag champions of Smoky Mountain Wrestling, a hot new regional promotion covering Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia, and West Virginia. Ironically, the team they defeated for the title is managed by Jim Cornette, the team of Stan Lane and Tom Pritchard, the heavenly bodies. WCW has arranged with Smoky Mountain Commissioner Bullet Bob Armstrong to sign the Rock and Roll Express to appear at Super Brawl 3 on Sunday, February 21st, marking the first time that tag champions from another United States organization will appear on a World Championship Wrestling pay-per-view. Let's go now to Smoky Mountain Wrestling and see the Rock and Roll Express in action. There's an expert at that. And already now, Robert Gibson is feeling the effects of the karate kicks and the chops now from Stan Lane. Here's Lane whipped to the rope. Oh, and he got Gibson by the foot. Takes a lot okay. of athletic ability to be able to do that, fans, and if the size of Robert Gibson and the power he's got, that's just an added extra that he's got in his arsenal. Double tosses there as Gibson and Morton both were in the ring. Rock and Roll Express are united. They are back together. I think they're wrestling better as a tag team now than ever before. You know, this might be an extra incentive, all incentive also for Rock and Roll. If they know they're only going to get one shot, they're going to make the most of it. Look at Morton. Through the legs. Back with a toss in the arm drag. And another arm drag. Quickly down goes Pritchard. Now it's Lane. Arm dragged again as he's got them both down. Lane goes out of the ring. Through the ropes. 
Pritchard may be in trouble. Wrong corner. There was Gibson. Yeah, he needs to, he needs to get over there close to home territory. And get again, he reaches up to the wrong man, Dutch. He must be stunned already. Well, Don't you think Jim Cornette is taking a tremendous risk by doing this and having this match? Good arm drag take down again by Ripson. Gibson. Now, wait a minute. Wait just a second. No tag was made. No tag. Well, Jimmy Cornette. That was Cornette. Jimmy Cornette informing the referee, well, referee, Mark Curtis. Cornette can blame no one but himself. He had no business up on the apron. Now you, you gotta blame Jim Cornette for that. Any of you kids out there that want to be wrestlers, watch these guys here because they do it like the textbook says to do it. Dutch, I've been informed too that Brian Lee. Wait a minute, a double. He rolled over both men. A tagger, tagger Gibson. The fresh man is in. Look at Gibson go to work on both of them. Okay. He's going to slam them together. Oh, with it right now. Gibson right over Pritchard. Or Morton over Pritchard. Double oh. drop kick. There's a Rock and Roll Express's trademark move right there. Their signature move. Take perfect timing. We next get the announcements that Jim Cornette's Smoky Mountain Wrestling will feature at WCW Super Brawl 3, as new SMW Tag Team Champions, the Rock and Roll Express, will take on the Heavenly Bodies. Sadly, this was Tom Pritchard and Stan Lane, not Pritchard and Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. But the match is still a banger, and yes, you will hear me gush about it at some point. Quote unquote, match four is our hastily rescheduled arm wrestling challenge as Vinnie Vegas, subbing for heavy metal Van Hammer, grunts and groans against Tony Atlas. A few weeks back, I had the chance to be the host of the strongest arm competition in WCW. Well, the winner of that was heavy metal Van Hammer. As we all know, the heavy metal man is injured now, so he can't defend that title. But a couple things else came to mind after the tournament started. Number one, Tony Atlas was not given a chance to compete in that tournament. So I'm gonna give him a second chance. Number two, it came to my attention that Vinnie Vegas came forward and told me he had an unfair disadvantage. He's left-handed. So Vinnie wants another shot and he wants to be able to do it left-handed. Are you fine with going with either arm, Atlas? What's wrong with him? I don't care if he's left-handed, right-handed, or center-handed. There we go. He don't care. So Vegas gets a shot left-handed. Tony Atlas and Vinny Vegas. Left-handed. Make sure of the grip, gentlemen. You gotta be happy with the grip. They're going left-handed. Even right now, nobody with an advantage. I can tell you, I can tell Vegas is left-handed. He's hanging in there. Atlas with advantage. Push, 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 push. 
Here comes Vinny Vegas back. He's rolling the dice. He's got Atlas going. Vegas is getting it down. One leg must stay on the deck. One leg on the floor. Atlas coming back. Atlas. Vinny's coming back on Tony. Endurance. We'll see who's got it now. Vinny Vegas getting him down. He got him. Vinny Vegas wins it left-handed. Vinny, my man. You should have told me you were left-handed. You proved it tonight. The left hand is powerful. What do you look for now? Hey, I just beat the real competition. Hey, buggy with arms. I know you're at home watching. Hey, don't let me have to send my people to come get you, coward. Get on the table with the bin man. I'm gonna put you down. This is the strongest arm in WCW body. Whoa, there you got it, Van Hammer. He says he's got the strongest left arm in WCW. He proved it by beating Big Tony Atlas. We'll be back with The Clash right after these messages. Jesse Ventura hosts a five-star thriller as Vinny Vegas beats Tony Atlas before challenging Van Hammer to a good gripping at a later date. Vinny Vegas was yet another in a long list of WCW's attempts to package Kevin Nash as something. It wouldn't be until he went to the WWF that he would make it big, but I liked the character of Vinny Vegas. It was never going to go anywhere, but it was humorous. Next, Vader allegedly briefly appears to challenge Sting to meet him at his White Castle of Fear. I say allegedly because this was cut from the network presentation. Sounds ominous though. This will lead to some of WCW's superlatively incandescent mini-movies. And you know we're going to talk about those at some point with my homeboy Demet guy. This brief interlude takes us to match five as the Wrecking Crew square up to WCW's sexiest tag team, the Z-Man Tom Zenk and Johnny Gunn. The Wrecking Crew are Rage and Fury, a couple of Road Warrior wannabes, played by Mark Laurinaitis, who's the brother of Road Warrior Animal and Johnny Ace, and Al Green, aka The Dog one half of the legendary dog knobbers in WCW 2000. Shout out to Daddy Dan. Zenk is the IWC legend formerly of the Can-Am collection and sexiest man in WCW fame. Gunn would go on to be Salvatore Sincere in the WWF and is no relation to Billy Ass or his Ass Boys. The pretty boys do okay for themselves, but WCW had hopes of turning the Wrecking Crew into the next Road Warriors, so this is really just a squash. Z-Man grabs a headlock on Rage to start, and Rage claims a hair pull, which would be a little bit difficult due to the fact he's got one of those little mohawk things. Rage sends him to the apron, but Z-Man runs up to the top for a dropkick, and the crew is sent to the floor. 
Gunn hits a huge dive to take both guys out and the fans are fired up. Back in and Gunn takes over on the arm, only to be dragged to the corner for the off to Fury. The crew shoves Gunn into the corner and Fury power slams him down. Gunn avoids a clothesline and it's back to Z-Man to speed things up. Rage slams him down and Fury adds what would eventually be known as the world's strongest slam. Z-Man then charges into a knee in the corner but still super kicks Fury out of the air. Gunn comes in off the hot tag and cleans house with slams before ramming the crew's heads together. Things settle down but Fury gets in a cheap shot from the apron, setting up a powerbomb top rope forearm to the chest aka the wrecking ball for the pin on Gunn at 6 minutes and 7 seconds. Rage and Fury would disappear again after a few months, which is the story of their lives. They were a typical power team really, nothing fancy. Zenk in particular sold their offensive manoeuvres well, but neither team was really going anywhere. Well I'm here with Flying Brian Pillman stunning Steve Austin. Tonight's the night boys, you clash with the champions. You got that right Larry, it couldn't be any more appropriate than having the legend himself right here with us, because tonight live and in Technicolor millions will watch the birth of two new legends studying Steve and flying Brian the next great dynasty in professional sports Ricky Steamboat Shane Douglas be prepared to pay a severe price because I can guarantee you one thing we will do whatever it takes to grab those titles and seize our destiny and we'll be right back with Tony Schiavone talking to Sting. Fans, welcome back to Clash of the Champions. Still to come to battle for the Unified Tag Team Championship and Thunder Cage. Earlier in this telecast, we heard the challenge made by the world champion, Big Van Vader. So ladies and gentlemen around the world and here in the Mecca, let's bring in the man to talk about that. Here is from Big Van Vader in the White Castle of Fear. Well, all those invitations that I got, Tony, I never ever one time walked away from it, and Van Vader, I'm not gonna walk away from your Castle of Fear. In regards to tonight, with the absence of Van Hammer, take a look at this right here. We don't feel too short-handed, if you know what I'm talking about. Ron Simmons and Justin Rose, we're gonna take it to him. Let's do it. It is going to be four on three at Thunder Cage. Standing by right now, Larry, the Legends of Bisco with Van Vader's team. Larry. Well, I'm here with Team Vader and Harley Race. Thunder Cage is here, but Van Hammer isn't. It looks like your night, it's four against three. That's right, Larry. Right here tonight, 
Thunder Cage, and all the troops are gathered, but I got a two little bits of information that I want to get through to you and to the people here right now. Cactus Jack, somewhere, if it's right here on TBS, but somewhere around the world, you're gonna pay for putting your hands on me and coming out there with that scoop shovel. Now, Mr. Orndorff right here is going to take care of you someplace, Cactus Jack. And while we're on it, I'd like you to step out of the way just for a second. We don't like anyone that's associated with Cactus Jack. And right here on TBS tonight, I'm telling this man right here, you're fired! No! Back in the locker room here. Murder! Oh, I don't understand this at all, they're, Ross. Oh, that's a hard one. Floor there. And they're just piles around him on the. We need to get. We've got to take a break. They're beating up their own partner. What's going on? We'll be back. One more time. One more time. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Mecca in Milwaukee. Jim Ross and Jesse Ventura here at ringside. It looks as if Harley Race and Team Vader have even the sides at three on three for tonight's Thundercage showdown. Ross, I'm confused. I don't understand why you'd let hatred take away a four on three advantage, but that's certainly what they did. That man's still to come in this broadcast, Jess. It was about a year ago. Your first pay-per-view in WCW was right here in Milwaukee at Mecca, Super Brawl 2. And that's right, and Super Brawl's coming up again. So it's dear to my heart. I can't wait because it'll celebrate one year the body's been in WCW. Fans, just like a quick look at highlights from the first two Super Brawls. On Sunday, February 21st, exclusively on pay-per-view, World Championship Wrestling presents the third annual Super Brawl. This spectacular event will originate from beautiful Asheville, North Carolina, and will feature the sport's brightest and toughest stars. The first Super Brawl took place on May 19, 1991, from the Bayfront Center in St. Petersburg, Florida. Here are some highlights from that memorable event. It's a good move there because Dustin was ready for the hole right there, ready for it. Where it turns him inside out. Hey, could Z-Man be in the shower? Uh, Missy, he might be. Why don't you go look? Why don't you see for yourself? Hey, first woman to get a locker room interview. Now the first woman to interview a wrestler in the shower. Let's go see. Come on. Ah! Wait. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. I'm just here to do an interview. I'm just here to do an interview. I just want to do an interview. Stay back. Take a chance here. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh my gosh. High risk. Boom. Brother, they're going they for the title. They ain't nothing like it. They ain't nothing like it anywhere in the world. Brother, he's trying to slam him outside. Oh, oh. face first on the ramp. And Flair with a forearm right to the head. Oh. Boy, in, in Tokyo, those chops by Flair brutalized the pictorial region of Fujinami. Last year, Super Brawl 2 originated from Milwaukee's Mecca on February 29th. Championships were decided on a night that most certainly will be long remembered by all WCW fans. 
Here are some of the outstanding moments from 1992's power-packed event. Lager up on the top rope. Moonsault off. He may have it. One, two, and a near fall. Setting him up for the superplex. Wyndham's got him up, but Zabisco pushed him off. And Rhodes now on the apron. And Rhodes, oh. from behind, nails Zabisco. Steamboat, or excuse me, Zabisco, just got nailed. Coming back, vicious elbow. Right in the face. Oh, and, and did he walk into Arn Anderson? And he may be pinned here. Steamboat. Blocked Rude's attempt and came back with a couple of martial arts blows. Great leapfrog by Steamboat. Arm drag takeover. Nobody does it any better. What an arm drag. Hey, he sunk it in deep. Whoa. I didn't know Steamboat had that kind of strength. Sustained Luger's pile driver and comes back fighting. And now Luger's in trouble. Sting with a rush of adrenaline. What a right hand. And what a comeback. This year, Super Brawl 3 promises to be even more exciting than ever before. WCW officials are negotiating with top wrestling stars worldwide about competing on this mega spectacular. News on the lineup will be made available this weekend on TBS. Make plans now on attending Super Brawl 3 live from Asheville, North Carolina Civic Center or by calling your local cable company and watching the event with friends live on pay-per-view. Super Brawl 3, live on Sunday, February 21st. We get a veritable deluge of promos next, as the team of Pillman and Austin are interviewed going into our next match. Shavoni interviews Sting, Vader's Thundercage team are interviewed, followed by Steamboat and Douglas getting some mic time. All fairly standard hype stuff, interspersed with some snippets from Slam Jam Volume 1, as well as hype for Super Brawl, but I do love a good promo chain. Of note, Handsome Harley fires the Barbarian from the Thundercage team, making our main event a six-man tag now, which puts paid to my hopes of PN News filling in for Van Hammer tonight. Match number six for the combined NWA WCW tag team titles sees Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and the franchise Shane Douglas face the Hollywood Blondes of Flying Brian Pillman and stunning Steve Austin. Steve and Steamboat get things going as the announcers talk about the time limit only being 30 minutes instead of 60. Austin knees Steamboat and pounds away to start, but gets cradled for two. Rollover gets two. Crisscross and Steamboat gets a body block for two, and we are rocking right away. The blondes bail and regroup. Back in, Austin offers a handshake and then turns on Steamboat, allowing Pillman to come in and start chopping. Steamboat dodges him and gets a dropkick, and the faces pinball him into a dragon arm drag. Douglas keeps on the arm, and they work it incessantly with cool quick tags. Pillman whips out of it, and they crisscross again, but he hurts his knee. Well, we better stop the match and call a stretcher. But no, it's a miracle! Pillman slingshots in again, but Douglas power slams him for two. Austin comes in to try, and Douglas immediately goes to the arm and works on it. Austin escapes, but Douglas goes back to it and brings Steamboat in for some more double-teaming. Steamboat gets the hammerlock slam and tags back out, as Douglas gets a sunset flip for two. Austin reverses to a roll-up for two, and they go into a pinfall reversal sequence that leads to Douglas getting a butt-butt off the second rope for two. 
Yes, a butt butt. A butt to the body with your butt. Good stuff. Douglas and Steamboat double team with a hip toss and Steamboat slams Douglas onto Austin, then slams Pillman onto Austin. He goes back to the arm with a wrist lock on Austin, but a quick cheap shot from Pillman allows Austin to slam Steamboat and put the heels in control. Pillman comes in and works the back with a whip into the corner and a slam for two. He suckers Shane in and then tosses Dragon out, which is textbook NWA heel stuff. Austin adds a slam on the concrete while he's out there. Pillman next snaps him on his way in, but Steamboat fights back, so Austin kicks him in the back to allow Pillman to suplex him back in, which only gets two. Steamboat comes back with a sunset flip, but the referee was busy with Austin. Austin with a gut wrench suplex and again suckers Douglas in, allowing more damage. Ricky fights back but gets suplexed while crawling in for a tag. Austin gets two. Steamboat giving a masterclass in facing peril here, second only to Ricky Morton in my opinion. Austin goes to a body vice, but Steamboat uses leverage to escape. Austin goes back to it because Steamboat doesn't have the energy to capitalise, but Pillman tries air Pillman and hits Austin by mistake. Steamboat gives both of them a flying chop and finally makes the hot tag to Douglas after one last T-spot to really drive the fans into a frenzy. Again, the butts in seats have been amazing all night, especially for this match. Douglas keeps it simple, slugging everyone down and drop kicking them, and then moving to clotheslines. Belly to belly for Pillman, but Austin nails him off the top behind the ref's back and then takes out Steamboat. That gets two. Steamboat brawls with Austin outside and grabs a title belt, which he nails Douglas with for the DQ at 13 minutes and 39 seconds. A great match with a poor finish. However, this will set off an excellent feud between these two teams, which will lead to the Blondes eventually winning the titles. I'm a massive fan of tag team matches, and this is the type of tag team match that I can watch all day. For all the problems plaguing WCW at this time in history, their tag team division was not one of them. Spoiler alert, this is my match of the night. And if you don't like this, then I'm afraid wrestling just is not for you. Face the number one challenger. Let's go now and see exactly what happened in that championship bout. 30th in Baltimore, Maryland, wrestling's most powerful competitor regained the WCW World's Heavyweight title for an earth shaking second time. Big Van Vader capitalized on Ron Simmons' shoulder injury to defeat the former Florida State University football All-American. By winning, Vader avenged a world title loss to Simmons on August 2, 1992 in the same Baltimore arena. Here are the closing moments of the 450-pounder's second WCW world title victory. Now Ron Simmons runs running to Vader. Picks him up. Shoulder breaker. Shoulder breaker. One, two, it's over. Vader and Simmons, who will be on opposing teams in tonight's Thunder Cage main event, have signed to meet in a return bout for the WCW World's Heavyweight title in the very near future. This rematch promises to be a tremendous contest for superiority in the WCW wrestling world. It is with great pleasure 
I give to you the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Big Man Vader and his manager, seven-time champion, Handsome Harley Race. No pain. No pain. No pain. Yeah! Vader time! Vader time! Prior to the main event, 
Harley Race and Big Van Vader come out for an in-ring interview. Vader and Ron Simmons get into a brawl before the Thunder Cage match, and Simmons beats up Harley Race and Vader. For those who don't know, Vader had defeated Simmons for the WCW World Title, ending the most mismanaged reign of that belt in history. Vader manages to get Simmons from behind while he's attacking Race and does a ton of damage, leaving Simmons out of the Thunder Cage. Our main event is a handicap match yet again, as the man called Sting and the natural Dustin Rhodes face the terrible trio of Big Van Vader, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and Barry Windham. The match starts with four guys in the ring, but all men make their way to their respective corners soon thereafter. Rhodes and Wyndham start the match, and Jim Ross notes that Rhodes doesn't have a cast on his left hand anymore. Rhodes backdrops Wyndham out of the corner to start, and they slug it out, but Wyndham misses an elbow. Rhodes slugs away in the corner and gets a clothesline, bringing Sting in for a bulldog. Press slam, and Wyndham brings Vader in. Sting slugs him on the ropes, but Vader returns the heat. Sting keeps punching and gets an atomic drop, and a DDT finally puts Vader down. Sting a splash and he keeps slugging away and adds some for the other heels too. Vader actually does a flare flip but catches Sting with a shot to the head on a charge. He goes up with a flying clothesline and then adds a flying splash from the second rope which misses. Sting kicks away and clotheslines him out but Orndorff sneaks in with a German suplex to break up the momentum. Orndorff comes in and stomps away, clotheslining Sting down and dropping an elbow. He drops an elbow on the lower abs and Wyndham comes in with a shot off the top and slugs Sting down. Suplex gets two. Dustin gets suckered in and allows some double teaming by the heels and they continue working him over in the corner. Vader splash in the corner and a clubbing forearm puts Sting down and a press slam with a shot on the way down follows. Wyndham sets up for a superplex but Sting fights out and collapses to the mat. Hot tag to Rhodes is made and he valiantly tries the one-on-three numbers, catching Wyndham with a lariat and slugging the other two down. Corner clothesline and he continues to slug away. But just when all seems lost, Cactus Jack runs in with bolt cutters to let himself in, and attacks the heels with his boot, laying them all out. I guess he's the substitute for Simmons then. Orndorff finally tosses him, leaving himself one-on-one with Rhodes. But a piledriver attempt is foiled by a boot to the head, and Jack gets the pin at 11 minutes and 22 to officially turn face. The main event felt rushed, but the story was really about turning Cactus face and setting him up as a challenger for Vader, and they would feud for a decent portion of 1993. Don't get me wrong, I'm all here for that, but it laughs in the face of the cage match concept to just have a guy break in and clean house. We do get a good Cactus Jack promo though, to close out the show. Look at me! Look at me! For nine years, people have told me, Cactus Jack, you're nothing but a psycho. They told me I was some kind of warped loser. Now they tell me, how can you stand toe to toe and expect to eliminate Big Man Vader and Paul Ornor? I got a neck that hurts me every morning I woke up. Paul Orndorff, he drove my head into the ground. And that neck tells me, Jack, this Jack, you're in over your head. Man, Vader, 
you splash these ribs, and these ribs tell me, Jack this Jack, you're in way over your head. But now it's time for me to tell you something about Cactus Jack. <laughs> you see, Jim Ross, you can beat me, you can hurt me, but I'm telling you, with all the will in this twisted mind, you can't stop Cactus Jack. <laughs> so Paul Orndorff, you'll bring it on. Bring every ounce of energy you've got, because you're going to need it. This Saturday on TBS, you're in a world war that you won't believe. Come, Paul Orndorff, with both guns blazing, because I guarantee you, Cactus Jack will. Bang, 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 bang. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that matchup, Cactus Jack and Orndorff this Saturday, Jess, it was wild here in Milwaukee. It was wild in Milwaukee, but we got more to come. You know what's right around the corner, Super Brawl 3 and my one-year reunion with WCW. Look at that maniac. Ross, I still gotta ask you something. How could the referee count one, two, three when this guy wasn't part of the match? We'll have to get a really good official. It was a no disqualification street fight. Fans, don't forget Sunday on the main event. We'll tell you and show you how the great Muda won the NWA title. We'll have Super Brawl information this weekend as well. We wanna thank everybody, all the great fans here in Milwaukee and you at home for Jesse the Body Ventura and our whole crew, I'm Jim Ross saying good night, everybody. And don't forget Cactus. Good night, Cactus. And now it's time for my final thoughts. So I've made no secret in the past that early 90s WCW is my favourite period for that company and this event is an excellent presentation of why I love this era of WCW so much. The clashes around this time would be used to set up the next coming pay-per-view and this show does that very well. Also as a standalone show it is highly watchable. The matches all deliver, the cornier stuff is just mega and the few poor finishes on here don't ruin the excellent work in the ring. I cannot recommend this show highly enough. The Cactus Jack turn was a massive move for him and shows brilliantly that hard work pays off. So in light of this, my star of the night is Cactus Jack. You can find very little to fault in the execution of his face turn here. WCW had listened to their fans who had slowly been getting behind Jack for his hard work. I view him as a people's champion type and hopefully WCW will go on to do the same. My match of the night is the Hollywood Blondes versus Steamboat and Douglas. Folks, hell has indeed frozen over, as I've made a match involving Shane Douglas my match of the night. Woeful finish aside, everything about the match screams masterclass. It was well paced, the chemistry was brilliant, and it was given just the right amount of time. This was a great part one to what will hopefully be a terrific feud that I will be more than happy to revisit. My highlight of the night was Chris Benoit's debut. Now this may not be popular, but this is in no way an endorsement of Chris Benoit as a person. This is purely an applauding of WCW getting a debut right. The match got time and both opponents gave a good account. Honourable mention for highlight of the night though does go to Two Cold Scorpio 
for promoting education in America's youth. In all honesty, I really couldn't think of a single thing as my low light of the night. If I had to nitpick, it would have been nice if Cactus Jack and Johnny B. Bad got more time, but you can't have everything. Well, our first trip together to WCW has been a success. I can't wait to catch some more pre-Hogan goodness down the line. Actually, I think we might stay here for a couple of weeks. Episode 5 will see us settling down after a Saturday afternoon ITV marathon of the A-Team, Knight Rider, Baywatch and You Bet, and cracking open the Hoffmeisters to watch WCW Saturday Night from January 16th, 1993, where the finals of the WCW United States Heavyweight title will take place, as well as a six-man tag featuring Barry Windham and the Hollywood Blondes, and Cactus Jack has a score to settle with Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Please continue to leave your feedback at One Man's Meat Pod on Twitter as I want to know from my 90s fans what you would want from this show. One Man's Meat will return shortly, as we are feverishly researching away on our next episode of the main show, and disgusting awful. However, in the meantime and in between time, stay beefy, Meat Cider!